Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on what part of the planet you might be. Welcome to Atlanta Discourse. I'm still your host, your moderator, your anchor. My name remains Ade Balogun. Today we are talking about something that everybody is very conversant with still on the war in Ukraine. But we are titling, titling it Putin. Is it time up for Vladimir Putin? Yeah, things are not looking too good for him. Today, we're going to look at what the situation really is. We're breaking it down into some segments, you know. So clearly, we have about five major segments. We're looking at the situation of the war with Ukraine, you know, vis-a-vis the war crime, the successes and the losses on both sides. We're looking at the Russian economic situation. We're looking at Russian oligarchs' position on the war, you know, then the mass mobilization. And finally, we look at whether there's a timeline for the end of the Putin regime, you know. So that's why we're here. So, but you all know at Atlanta Discuss, we embrace all facets of humanity to disseminate positive news in a world filled with a lot of bad news. We give a voice to the unheard always. We balance the information equation. We search and discuss the facts wherever it leads. We combine the best of the human race to get the best out of mankind. We serve as a bridge between the developing and the developed world. We embrace business, politics, art, IT, health, history, and faith-based issues. We don't shy away from the facts. That's why we're here. So let's kick the ground running. And, you know, what's the situation really in Ukraine? You know, how has the Ukrainian been able to make such dramatic and swift progress in recent days? By retaking territories in the northeast, because before the war, the Russians had uh, the Crimea and part of the Donbas under them already, which is about 10-15% of the country. But when the war started, the Russians were able to take another five percent. So cumulatively, they had about 20% of the entire Ukrainian country. But with things right now, the five percent they added during the when the war started has been reclaimed back by Ukraine. And they are making forays every day. They've taken the Zoom and other areas. So Ukraine appears to have pulled up an operational surprise, amassing large numbers of troops and equipment for a counter-offensive without the Russians even being aware or responding because they tricked them, you know, because they have Western help. We'll go to that later. Ukraine had earlier advertised plans for a large-scale counter-offensive in the south near Kherson, you know, and the Russians now put all their forces in that area Russia moved units to resist the expected uh, Ukrainian push, you know. So at the end of the day, you know, in contrast, so to say, in early September, the Kharkiv counter-offensive in the east was much more of a surprise. Russians had their forces elsewhere and the Ukrainians came in with a surprise. Now, that has changed the dynamics and it's moving. Right now, once again, the Ukrainians are being secretive about what they are doing. They are claiming grounds, no doubt. So what does this demonstrate about the result of the Ukrainian forces and the support they have received from the international community? Clearly, uh, like earlier this summer, some of the sources have always said it that the months of grinding one fear in the Donbass has caused moral, uh, cost moral, low morale in both sides. But the Ukrainian morale seems to be on the higher side than the Russians because the Russians seems uh, they, they don't get good supply, their logistics are poor, some of the generals are just pocketing the money meant for the troops. So victory themselves are indicated of the impressive resilience of the Ukrainian forces. On the one hand, they are fighting for their homes and families, so you expect them to be more motivated than the Russian counterpart, which is just the logical conclusion. They are more motivated. They have Western support. So international support has always been vital for Ukraine and the war effort. So first, the sanction imposed on Russia has severely impaired 
Russia's ability to repair and replace military equipment, weapons, and ammunition. But most of the spare parts, as developers, they say Russia is first world and all that. Most of the serviceable parts are from NATO countries, you know. I mean, ex-Soviet bloc, like Slovenia, Latvia, and what have you. And those, those access have been blocked. So in the weeks leading to the Ukrainian counter-offensive, the Russian military used, uh, sorry, the Ukrainian military used HIMARS, that's H-I-M-A-R-S, from uh, America, you know, so to destroy Russian ammunition depots and to kill Russian military leadership. Very, very top Russian generals in Ukraine have been killed. So two resources that are very difficult for Russians to replace. They, they are, their supply lines have been destroyed. Their decision-making uh, generals in Ukraine have been destroyed. So that also explains, but you cannot discount the fact that that was because of Russia, Russia um, Western help. So some Russian lawmakers have also begun to cast out over Putin's ability to win the war. So, you know, I mean, Russian lawmakers have been coming out, condemning Putin, saying all sort of things. Uh, some, some guy in St. Petersburg, from the lower Duma came out to say Putin has to be removed and impeached, something that is mostly unprecedented in the annals of Russian history. So Putin definitely is on the defensive. A more aggressive Russian strategy in Ukraine is coming up, you know, they're doing mass mobilization and all that. But by and large, the, the Russians are on the run. Ukraine is claiming ground. And in the last four days, the Ukrainians have been secretive about what's happening, you know, because they, they are obviously encycling the places like Elysium, just to get into the Donbass, especially uh, Donetsk area. So that's what they're looking at. It's not looking good for Russia. The Western technology has helped. America is working with Ukraine. And the EMAS that I told you about, those missiles, they are pinpoint accurate. And the Russians have no, no answer to that. So now let's quickly look at the, the economic situation in Russia right now. It's, it's not good also. I mean, let me quickly run that list of companies that have left Russia. You know, it's uh, it's it's really it's really very disastrous. You know, because after the Russian president Vladimir Putin, you know, when he when he the invasion of uh, when he ordered the invasion of Ukraine in February 24, February 24th of this year, multinational companies have been forced to examine their ties with Russia, especially because of Western sanction. You know, the 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 point is that. The biggest market really in the world is that of America and Europe. So China itself knows that. You know that's why China, even though publicly trans support Russia, but they are very, they are very careful about their relationship with the United States. So most recently, Marriott Hotel has left. You know, but let's look at consumer goods and retail company that left. Adidas left. They said to suspend sales in Russia, cutting 1% from its expected revenue growth this year, just 1%. It shows you how negligible the Russian market is. The company has about 500 stores in Russia and in the former Soviet state. The BAT, that's the British America Tobacco said, it, was ex is, it is ex exiting Russia. The, uh, Philip Morris, the cigarette maker, suspended plan, you know. So Canada Goods said it will cease wholesale and e-commerce sales to Russia. So fast retailing and Japanese clothing line Uniqlo 2 has left. H&M is shutting down its business in Russia. The fashion retailer said it's going. IKEA, the Swedish conglomerate, suspended imports and exports to Russia. Nestle said it was suspending sales of vast majority of its pre-war volumes of products in Russia. 
Nike said in March that it was temporarily closing it. It's roughly 116 stores in Russia. TJX, the owners of TJ Maxx and Marshall, promised to divest its equity and ownership in Familia in Russia. And they have about 400 stores. Unilever, which owns brands like Dove, Sun Silk, everyone knows Unilever, you know, so they've left too. Now, in the energy area, BP, British Petroleum, said it will sell its nearly 20% stake in Rosneft. That's a Russian uh, oil company. You know, the billion, the bill, the, the, it wrote off about 25.5 billion on its nearly 20% holding in Rosneft, along with other ventures in the company. So, if BP leaves you, I mean, <laughs> you're in trouble. ExxonMobil said it will end its involvement in large oil and natural gas in Russia. Shell plans to exit its joint, venture with, uh, its joint ventures with Gazprom of Russia. That's the Russian natural gas plant. So they are clearly in trouble. In the financial area, America Express has suspended all its operations in Russia. Bank of America said its direct exposure to Russia was minimal after reducing its business there. So they left to BNY Mellon has left City Group, which recently has about 3,000 employees in Russia, you know, are also out, you know. So closing 15 branches and laying off 2,300 employees. Deutsche Bank said they are in the process of winding down the remaining business they have in Russia. Goldman Sachs said it was winding down its business in Russia in compliance with regulatory and licensing agreement. JP Morgan Chase said that the bank will wind down its businesses in Russia and could lose one billion over time. They don't, they don't care. They'll make it up in the Western world. Mastercard will prevent card used by Russian banks from working in other countries. Technically speaking, they are out of Russia. Societe General, France's third largest bank, said they will sell its controlling stake in Rosebank, a Moscow-based lender. Visa card, same thing, they are out of Russia. Western Union, out of Russia. Zurich Insurance Group, Switzerland's largest insurance, out of Russia. We look at the food sector. Carlsberg, the third largest brewer, said it had altered its investment and operation in Russia. Heineken said it is on its way out of Russia at a cost of just over 400 million, which is negligible to the overall earnings and uh, income. Little Caesar, the pizza group, is suspending all operations at Russian stores. Mars, the makers of M&M and Snickers, are suspending new investment in Russia. So Russia is clearly in trouble. McDonald's said it was selling his Russian business to a local licensee. So they're not going to have anything, McDonald's, nothing, no, uh, not franchise, they're just selling it off. They, they can't even use the name. PepsiCo said it will stop selling soda in Russia, but will continue to produce dairy and baby food. I'm sure they, will, they are, eventually they will move out. Burger King closed 800 locations. Starbucks said it's closing 130 stores in Russia, and it has 2,000 employees they are laying off. Young brands out of Russia. So even in the, in the media, you have companies like Bloomberg suspending operations in Russia and Belarus, cutting off countries from all Bloomberg products. Netflix suspended the service and halted future uh, projects in Russia. Sony has suspended operations in Russia completely. The Walt Disney Company paused the release of movies in Russia. Disney also paused all its business operations in countries. Warner Brothers said it will post theatrical movie releases in Russia. So when you talk about professional services like consulting group, McKinsey and Company, they are out of Russia. The Boston Consulting Group will not take any new clients in Russia. The consulting firm Bay said it will not work with any Russian business. So technologically, we look at Amazon Web Services and stop accepting new customers from Russia. Apple Pulse sales in Russia in March. We're moving to Russia, the media run. You know, they're, they're just on and on. Cogent, 
they are out ericsson not doing business in russia google suspended advertising including on its search and youtube product you know in for russia ibm announced in march that they are suspended business in russia intel said they are suspended all operations in russia lg electronic suspended operations stopped from future chief shipment to russia lumen a major american internet provider to russia said it was ending its business in the country microsoft said it will suspend new sales of its product and services in russia nokia said it will leave russia after having earlier suspended new business you know the sap group the german software company said it was winding down its operation in russia sony which made the playstation games console said it has suspended all software and address shipment to Russia. Uber said it was trying to accelerate its divestment from the Russian internet company Yandex. Travel and logistics, like I said earlier, Mario said in June that it was suspending operation completely in Russia. Airbus has suspended the supply of parts, maintenance, and technical services to Russian airlines. Amadeus, which provides ticket sales technology to airlines all over the world, cut ties with Aeroflot, the Russian national carrier. American Airlines joined other commercial services commercial airline in suspending travel to Russia. Boeing said it has stopped buying titanium from Russia, a key source of metal for the aerospace industry. Delta Airlines cut coach share an interline agreement with Russian carrier. Ayat Hotel suspended development and work in the country. Hilton closed its corporate office in Moscow. FedEx, the world's largest delivery services representing crucial elements of the global logistics chain has also suspended shipment to Russia. DHL said in a statement that inbound services to Russia and Belarus have been totally stopped. Sabre, the same thing. United Airlines has temporarily suspended service between San Francisco and Delhi, between New York and Mumbai to avoid flying Russian, to avoid flying over Russian airspace. UPS announced to halt delivery to Russia completely. Caterpillar, that's in the manufacturing sector, they're out of Russia. Itachi, the Japanese giant, out of Russia. Michelin, the tire manufacturer, said it to transfer all its operations in Russia to local owner without technical support or expertise. The French car maker Renault said it was sending its majority share in AV Vals, a Russian company, to whoever wants to buy. Siemens, the German technology group, are out. Tata Steel of India, out. Volvo said it was setting aside about 423 million to make up for the losses he anticipated because of the Russian exposure so you can see that economically russia is in a cool de sac even though i know that the media is more of a regimented that we don't have direct information of what's happening but we know people are not you know they're not doing well the government is just trying to block information from coming out but they are clearly in in in, in a downward spiral already the g7 has already regulated the amount of money that they pegged the number of money they're going to be buying Russia on. So Russia is clearly not in the driving seat. But now we look at oligarchs that have died in recent times. But these are these are oligarchs, these are people that help Putin to get to power. Now he's been killing them also, which is making him more more unpopular by the day. One of the one of the numerous ones that have been killed in recent times is Ivan Pekorin, a top manager at the Corporation for the Development of Far East. He was found dead in Vladivostok after allegedly falling out of his uh, luxury yacht. You know, that's just about the way they've all been dying. But we all know that the government of the day is behind it. Earlier this year, the company for three-year-old uh, uh, general director of the same company, Igor Nosov, Igor Nosov, also died from a reported stroke after taking over the reins in 2001. You know, meanwhile, another aviation expert died under strange circumstances. The former head of the Moscow Aviation 
Institute. That's Anatoly Gerashenko. He was pronounced dead after falling down from the stairs. Very suspicious way of dying. You know, a former director of the Russian National Carrier Air Carrier Aeroflot, Nikolai Glushov, who famously claimed that about one fourth of the company's employees were officers of the branches of the country intelligence, was also hanged in his home in Maldives. Glushok was uh, a notable Kremlin critic and close friend of the late oligarch Boris Berezovsky, who lives abroad right now. You know, so Glushok there was also uh, also occurred right after the poisoning of. Uh, one of the guys that Putin wanted to kill in Rwanda, uh, I can't remember his name right now. So, another guy that died is Ravel Maganov. He died. Uh, he, 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 didn't, uh, the, he died in a very in a car accident. What a lot of us cannot explain, which is also sad. That is also very serious circumstance. So we can go on and on. You know, another former manager that died is Alexander Subotin. He was found in the basement of his residence in the Moscow suburb in May this year. So he's been killing them, and these are people that, I mean, another guy is a 60-year-old Leonid Schumann. He was found in the bathroom of his house with slashed wrist. You know, I mean, a rich man, a billionaire killing himself. He's very spirit. The morning after Russia invaded Ukraine on 24 February, Alexander Tulikayava, 65-year-old, a senior executive of Gazprom, the Gazprom Corporate Security, died at his home in the same village as Schumann, the guy I mentioned earlier. And under very spurious circumstances. You know, one of the deaths that have taken place abroad is that of uh, Michael Watford, who lived in his, with his family in the UK. On 28th February, the Ukrainian-born 66-year-old oil magnate, gas magnate, who also built property empire in London, was found dead in his home in Surrey, in Surrey, England. In March, the body of Russian billionaire Vasily Melinikov and his family were found in a luxury palace in Novogorod, in Western Russia. There, also under very serious circumstances. Now, the latest case has been has taken place in Spain, more specifically in Loret de Mar, where Russian oligarch Sergei Potoseya, 55, was founded with two other family members in 19 April this year. Another more recent is the body of oligarch Vladislav Avayave, who was found in his Moscow flat, along with bodies of his wife and his 13-year-old daughter. 2nd May this year, Andrew Krukokowski, the 37-year-old director of Sochi Ski Resort, owned by the gas giant, died after allegedly falling off a cliff while hiking near the, uh, the uh, Arklid Forest, the scenic area landmark monument everybody knows in Moscow. On the 4th of July, multimillionaire businessman Yuri Voronovo was found in a swimming pool at his home in the affluent Vygotsky neighborhood in St. Petersburg with a gunshot to his head. That's clearly a professional killing. Investigative outlet Belinka said recently through an open source that they advised the man, another man that died as Kirill Zalo, the son of General Alexis Zalo, the deputy head of the Russia FSB, who, which is widely reported not to be working well with Putin now. The FSB has gone rogue. So Kirill Zalo, his body was found and is the son of General Alexis Zalo of uh, the FSB. So in December of last year, the founder of the nationalist bloc, Sputnik Pogrom Yegro, died after falling out of the window of a Moscow apartment. Another very funny way to die. August 14, Dan Rappaport, Latvian American investment banker and a Sputnik Putin critic, who had just left Ukraine after the Russian invasion, was found dead in, uh, in a luxury apartment. So before the war, we had people like Sergei uh, Kachenko, who fell from his death from Moscow apartment. We have uh, people like Alexander Kagaski, who was found after falling from Irish building, St. Petersburg. So it is a pattern to all this, and 
it's not new. So what's a, why do, do we say it's the end for Putin? I said about three months back that I gave him between two weeks and two years to fall. Now that was three months ago. I think if the fall is imminent, nobody from the inside there criticizes Putin, especially from the Russian Duma, the lower. Now we have seen people coming out to criticize him publicly. He, he recently just went for mass mobilization of people to, for, to recruit for the war. The, the border with Georgia, people are living in droves. The border with Finland, people are living in droves. Flight ticket out of Russia to anywhere in the world is not expensive. You know, the Russian airline itself, it's not flying as it should be because a lot of countries have stopped them from flying. The embargo has really knocked them out. Putin has, you know, abandoned Moscow. is on his resort in Sochi. is incommunicado. Nobody really knows what is happening. He has health issues that have been corroborated over and over again. So things are not looking good. The sanctions are biting hard. He has threatened to use nuclear weapon, and President Biden has told, said categorically that America will respond in kind. I think that will be the end of Russia if they ever tried it. The American military came out recently that even if they use just a minor fragment of nuclear nuclear weapon, maybe something small, that they are going to destroy the, the entire Baltic and Navy of the Russian army. Or recently we read in the Washington Post that America has been sending messages to Russia privately that don't try using nuclear, chemical, or biological weapon. If you do, you know, they told them the implication. The whole world is against Russia. The, the number one ally is China, and China is not going to stick out its neck for Russia. And the reasons are not perfect. The number one trading partner for China is America, followed by the European Union. So trade is important for China. For, for stability in the world, is what, world stability is what China needs to, you know, to flourish. China currently has its own economic downturn. They are probably facing some element of recession. India, who is also buying uh, 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 Russia's crude oil, you know, it was reported that President Modi had a shouting match with Putin recently in a telephone conversation that Putin was biting more than he can chew. So I think it is the end. As it stands today, the economic situation in Russia will take at least 20 years to recover. So Russia is already battered almost beyond repair. There's a lot of disunity in the country. The military is not happy. There's no resources to even pay some of the, some of the soldiers. That's why you see some of the generals they're not even giving to the troops on the field what they need. They are even pocketing it, which shows that they're thinking about their future, not the future of the country. And most of the Russian soldiers that have been uh, arrested or, or picked up as prisoners of war look malnourished, and they all claim that they need food. You know, and one thing the Ukrainians have done very well is to deal with the supply line of the Russian, which is even non-existent, so to say. This is why that the, the, the current war is in favor of Ukraine. Now winter is coming, Russians are not ready, there's a lot of mass recruitment, but most of the people they are bringing in to fight for Moscow are not even equipped, you know. They are running, they are leaving the equipment, quality Russian equipment, the best Russian equipment have been left behind, so they are not even fighting. So the morale is low, you don't win war fighting a united Ukraine, and Ukraine under Zelensky, almighty Zelensky, the commander that became a leader, a statesman, the best you can get anywhere. No, there's no nation in the world that will not clamor for a leader like Zelensky. Great guy, I have a lot of respect for him, he has, he's leading his nation and he's on the map. So. Time of Putin is just a matter, it's a matter of when, not if right now. His health is not working well. The Russian army 
is not working well the world is against him his economy is going down you cannot be a pariah and contrary to what people say russia is not what you call a superpower superpower like that anymore all the nuclear weapons they have they don't even have the resources to maintain all this nuclear world we don't even know whether they're in good state compared to the american military who have a way of lubricating and maintaining you know their their stuff we don't know what's really happening in russia i do foresee a situation whereby there might be a pool or something people are already talking about succession you know it's it's a bit blurry but it is a matter it's just a matter of if not uh it's, it's a matter of when not if or put in time up you know so uh we're going to call it a wrap there it's 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 looking bad for him and uh we're probably going to wait till early next year and do another edition on, on on whatever the situation will be in russia but i'm predicting that during winter because the west is already equipping ukraine for it ukraine is going to have a big push they're already around donbass the donetsk area and if they ever cross that line, it's it's all over for Russia. Hence, the desperation by uh, Vladimir to have mass recruitment. And even the people recruited, the mass drive, they are not motivated, they are prisoners, and they are not motivated enough to fight the Ukrainian. So it's all I, I am expecting, I won't be surprised if I heard there's been a coup in Russia. I won't be surprised if I heard Vladimir Putin is dead or killed or something. He has isolated himself. It's, he doesn't even know what's happening. The FSB, one of the key Russian intelligence services, has gone rogue. A lot of his members are not happy with what's happening. The oligarchs, as you see, have been killed. They are the people that control the economy. All these sanctions, all this company living, it's affecting them more than any other person. They want stability. The only way Russia can ever have stability right now is if uh, they get rid of Putin. How they'll get rid of him, we don't know. But his days are clearly numbered. So we call it a wrap. I'm still your host and anchor. My name remains Ade Balogun. Thanks. We'll see you next week for another fantastic edition. You know, have a fantastic weekend ahead. God bless you. Bye.